Welcome to National Energy Talk. I'm Mark Stansbury, and today's guest is Dewey F. Bartlett Jr., president of Keener Oil in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and former mayor of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And welcome, Dewey, to National Energy Talk. Well, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you. It's been too long of a time. It has been. You know, it's really interesting. I I came across something that uh, we should, you know, first of all, nothing moves without energy. I think we both agree with that. And with with that said, I hear you're quite, nothing moves without music when it comes to harmonica. I hear you're a great harmonica player, by the way. (laughs) Well, I've I've been playing a harmonica (laughs) for a long time, and I found out uh, fairly early on that uh, whenever you surround yourself with a real good band, people really think you're pretty good. (laughs) Well, who's who's somebody that's really famous that you've uh, got to play harmonica as a backup? uh, Well, it... Nobody really famous. I mean, people that are that, that are local, uh, some some good bands around here. Um, the uh, uh, the Roundup Boys is a country western. Oh, well, band. that's famous enough. Yes. The uh, uh, Texas Playboys played with them one time. Yes. Yeah. The, the 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 most fun is uh, both of those bands uh, I played with at uh, Kane's Ballroom in Tulsa, which is w- uh, really well known. And anybody gets to play at Kane's is really. Uh, 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 marked a place in history. So uh, I, that's probably my, my uh, uh, biggest accomplishment is playing at Canes. Well, I'm impressed with that for sure, because Canes does definitely has the history. And to, uh, to say that uh, the harmonica is uh, definitely well known around the area of Tulsa, that you're a player. And uh, I'm glad to know that, uh, that we got to at least notice that as far as nothing moves without energy when it comes to music. I have an interest in in guitar and some other instruments as well. So we'll have to match up on that someday because the, there's a lot of oil and gas folks that love music and participate as well. You bet. Dewey, um, on a serious note, and that is the oil and gas industry, the state of affairs we have today, and we're going to talk about that. But before we do, I'd really like to talk about uh, the history of, of, of your family. I mean, it's, it's amazing uh, looking back uh, where your family began, I mean, the history of Pennsylvania, I believe. And if you'll tell us the history of that, I think people will be intrigued. I know the story's been out before, but I'd like to retell uh, that to others that don't, as far as that goes, that don't know about it. Oh, sure. Well, it's, I'm, I'm very, very proud of my, my background, very, very fortunate. My uh, grandfather, uh, D.A. Bartlett, was uh, a... Uh, living in, in Titusville, Pennsylvania, around the turn of the uh, 18th, 19th century. My and uh, he was working in a general store, uh, and uh, it was a very small place, but it was going out of business, apparently. And the, uh, the man that owned it uh, said that uh, if they could cut a deal, he would give the store to my grandfather if he assumed the debt and uh, probably paid a little bit of money for it. But they, they agreed to the terms. And so he he did, and he then found uh, decided he would advance credit to the uh, oil drillers that would come in and want to buy some rope or nails or whatever else he was selling, and for collateral he would take their oil leaks. There was still a lot of activity uh, around Titusville, of course, which is where oil was first found uh, covered by drilling in 1859, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. uh, so anyway. Um, apparently somebody didn't pay off the bill 
and uh, he suddenly found himself in oil business operating a uh, a uh, a lease or two in uh, in and around Titusville. Uh, the uh, the company name Keener Oil and Gas Company. It comes uh, Keener is a producing sand in that part of of western Pennsylvania, and uh, so apparently that lease was producing from the Keener sand, and so it started. He then uh, moved to Marietta, Ohio, uh, which is on the, not too far from Titusville. It's in the southeast corner of Ohio on the Ohio River, and uh, there he. Uh, got involved in the banking business, but he still continued in the oil business and he would follow apparently the various uh, activities as they went on, uh, 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 various booms and whatever. And he suddenly found himself in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, uh, about 1900, uh, 1900 to 1910, somewhere thereabouts. And uh, so he uh, uh, moved his company essentially to, uh, to Tulsa and uh, we've, we've been here ever since. He was able to uh, uh, have a few leases in the, uh, I believe it was the Cushing uh, field when it was discovered. And, uh, and that, that made it interesting for him to stay. And uh, so he did. Uh, he, uh, his, uh, he had two sons, uh, my father, Dewey Bartlett, and uh, my dad's older brother, uh, Dave Bartlett, uh, my grandfather died uh, in uh, when in the early 1920s, and then my dad and and Dave Bartlett took it over after that, and after World War II, they took it over in earnest, and uh, we've been here ever since. So here we are. Well, then uh, you mentioned your dad, who I was very fond of. In fact, I was an intern and staffer for your dad uh, while he's U.S. senator back in uh, 75, 76 time frame goes way back and uh, really enjoyed working with him. In fact, Dewey, he, I, I think I mentioned this to you in the past. I was 19 years old and I didn't know much about the oil and gas business at all. I didn't come from an oil and gas background. And I was assigned with a small group to do some research on uh, a presentation he was going to make, Dewey was going to make. And, and uh, it was going to be uh, Senator Bartlett was going to speak at, uh, in Oslo, Norway before OPEC. And I didn't know much about OPEC. I didn't know much about oil and gas. I did all this research. And to think that, you know, here 44 years later, after I got involved in the oil and gas industry, that really your dad was a big part of my interest in, uh, in knowing more about the oil and gas industry and to pursue the oil and gas industry. And a good friend of his, Cooper West, uh, had in, encouraged me because I was really interested in being an intern and staffer. Uh, and going to D.C. and he, Cooper introduced me to your dad, and then it wound up uh, I wound up working for Cooper a few years later because he was in the oil and gas business. So it uh, I owe those two gentlemen quite a bit as far as the mentoring side, and you as well. You've been a great friend, mentor for for many years, and you. I think your dad, being a former governor and former U.S. senator from Oklahoma, uh, the legacy he had and has. And think of you as well. You've built quite a legacy, and I know we'd be very proud of you. And uh, of course, your mom, Ann, who we are all fond of. <laughs> she was a wonderful person. Oh, from the, I was. I, uh, I was just so lucky with the two parents I had. It was uh, they were both terrific, and uh, Dad was in at, at an interesting position because, as you know, he was one of the very few uh, senators uh, that really had oil and gas in their background. And, that's right. Uh, so he was able to make uh, presentations like that at OPEC. Uh, 
I remember one thing that he did, and I, you were, I'm sure you were there when this happened. He, he and Senator Sam Nunn, who he became mm -hmm. very dear friends with, right. uh, they both served, I think, on the Armed Services Committee. And Dad was always talking about why the supporting the domestic industry, oil and gas industry was so important for national security. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, so then they, uh, the two of them went to uh, Saudi Arabia, apparently to the OPEC countries and had a tour of uh, various bases around that area. And they came back and issued the uh, uh, a report that mm -hmm. essentially said that uh, if we don't support the domestic oil and gas industry uh, in the United States, at some point in the future, there will be wars fought. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. Uh, unfortunately, they were both correct. No question. Well, you know, it was interesting because uh, you're right. Uh, I remember that Dewey and uh, your dad and uh, Sam Nunn would have a, actually Pete Domenici. And then uh, there was another senator. They'd have a prayer uh, luncheon every week. Uh, I believe it was on a Wednesday, if I remember right. And uh, they would talk and discuss issues and two from Democrat to Republicans. It was really interesting how they would bond and work together. It'd be nice to see that today, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, oh, boy. Oh, man. I, I, I remember those good old days where uh, both parties and independents as well would sit across the desk and discuss. And I know you you worked that way so, yourself, being a mayor of Tulsa, how you worked successfully in so many different ways of how to bond people together. It's much better that way than otherwise, but uh, we do face an interesting time. But anyway, going back to your dad, an unbelievable person. Um, again, uh, you know, I remember a time George and I called me. He was, became president of UCO here in, in Edmond, at University of Central Oklahoma. And he called me. And he knew I'd worked with uh, in the early days, uh, my early days, with uh, your dad as a U.S. senator. And he said, I'd like to establish a scholarship. Would you help me with that? And I said, definitely. And so we began a scholarship there. And I think... Uh, it was really interesting coming from George Nye. He's a, a of course, a Democrat, uh, Lieutenant Governor under under uh, Governor Bartlett. Yeah. And of course, the, the relationship they had together was great and the admiration they had being from two different parties. And we're talking about parties. Uh, wow. It, it made an impression on me that somebody reach out like that, especially uh, someone on a different party uh, that had that much respect for, for your dad. We really do miss that, uh, and mm -hmm. I don't, uh, you know, at that time, uh, as you as you saw, uh, Democrats and Republicans, different parties, uh, different uh, uh, political uh, perspectives. They all, they they would they had the capability, and they really had the response. They saw it as a responsibility to find mm -hmm. common ground to do the to do the people's work, and they did it. They did mm -hmm. it repeatedly, uh, and you know, one reason I think that 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 uh, was happening back in those days is that uh, most of the time when someone was elected to uh, office in Washington, D.C., especially in the Senate, their entire family would move to them uh, with them to Washington, D.C. And as a result of that, all of their kids would go would see each other, get acquainted, become friends at the schools and different things. The parents would be involved with PTA meetings. The, Parents would become friends of each other, no matter uh, what their uh, uh, political parties were, but they became true mm -hmm. friends. And that 
across all different lines. And so that's right. Uh, you can always do something. You, you can always work very well together with a friend and overlook what differences you had in order to have a in, in order to continue a friendship. That's gone. That's gone today, unfortunately, I think mostly. And I wish we'd get back to it. I know you do. I really do. And, uh, and I, well, I think about the, the old, the older days, I should say in the oil and gas industry, very similar thing where you would shake hands or uh, sign a, you know, piece of paper on a napkin. That is <laughs> if the deal was on the napkin or a piece of paper, a lot of times versus, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a bond. It was your, your word. And uh, I think of when you got started in the oil and gas business, uh, I know you, you attended, I believe Regis and then also SMU for an MBA. What, I mean, even though your family was in the oil and gas business, what drew you to the, I mean, uh, was it, was it your family or was it beyond that? Because I know you served some time in the field, right? You were in the oil field before you really got back to working with Keener. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, my dad, I'll, I'll, no matter what you do, uh, just make sure that you, uh, work out in the field. And uh, the he defined the field as working out uh, where, where 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 all the action is, you know, where where, where mm-hmm. everything happens, where, where the wells are drilled and wells operated. He said that's where uh, first of all you'll learn a lot because you'll that's where money is made and lost. That's where people lose their money and or, or, or make it. And secondly, uh, you'll get to know the the vernacular, what what things mean when you hear a phrase. Uh, like what's a 24 or what's a 36, you'll know that that's the size of a certain kind of pipe wrench. So that's what I did. He had, uh, I was able to get a job working for, for Halliburton for several years and learn how to cement oil wells and worked around rigs and gas wells, all different things like that. And uh, uh, then uh, about the time uh, that uh, uh, my father and uncle had both died, uh, mm-hmm. my uncle had no heirs other than, uh, our family. And so, uh, I became kind of the person to take over the company eventually. So that's why I got started doing all that sort of thing. Worked, uh, as a, uh, apprentice land man for a company in Oklahoma city, a guy named Bill Beard, Beard Oil Company for several years. I remember, years. yes. Did, did that and, uh, eventually came back and, uh, did the same thing at Caner. And after several years, uh, the person that was running the running the place he retired and i took it over and and uh uh it's it's interesting how uh that little this little company really allowed my father to get involved with politics and uh then it did the same thing for me allowing me to get involved with the city council of tulsa and but also as uh, mayor of tulsa so uh history does repeat itself and thank you for your service uh, we appreciate all the leadership uh uh, both the city council as as mayor and beyond. I mean, in the oil and gas industry, uh, you've led several efforts. Uh, the uh, OEPA is what you're looking at now as chairing, but uh, OERB, uh, Stri- Stripper Well Association, on and on that you've led through the years. And uh, thank you for your not only support, but your leadership in uh, energy education and providing a a platform for all of us. Uh, and that leads us really to OEPA. Uh, tell us about OEPA and what it stands for. What I know it's Oklahoma Energy Producers Association, but tell us more about the organization, how many are in, involved and what you're trying to accomplish. 
Well, it's a, uh, we, we formed the OEPA about uh, five or six years ago. Uh, its purpose is to represent the uh, small, independent uh, oil and gas uh, producers, operators, uh, drillers, small businesses uh, in, in Oklahoma. Uh, we have about 550 members, and we're l literally scattered around the state. We're, uh, last count, we're in about 75 different uh, cities, towns, and communities. Uh, but it, it's, a, it's a true grassroots organization. Our purpose is to represent uh, our collective interests at the state legislature and at the Oklahoma Corporation Commission that regulates our industry. And we've, uh, we've really uh, focused on uh, making certain that, uh, that our voice is heard, uh, that we are part of a, uh, a significant group of energy uh, producers and operators in Oklahoma. Uh, there are a lot of very large uh, companies that, uh, that operate oil and gas wells and uh, exploration not only in Oklahoma, but uh, in many states uh, outside of Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, North Dakota, South Dakota, all sorts of places. But our primary focus is on those companies that operate uh, primarily uh, uh, in Oklahoma. Everything from two or three person uh, uh, companies, so-called mom and pop companies to much larger uh, companies that have a variety of interests of, of several hundred employees. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good cross section, but it's, uh, it's really just uh, very focused on representing the uh, the, the traditional vertical well operators of, of oil and gas wells that are classified themselves as small business. We appreciate your leadership again, your serving as chairman. Uh, I know you give uh, speeches uh, throughout, uh, not only in Oklahoma, throughout the nation as well. I know, I, I believe I saw where you're going to be a speaker at the National Association of Royalty Owners yeah. coming up in October. And I know you speak at other locations as well. And appreciate that effort. Uh, OEPA, how do people get in touch to become a member? I guess so there's a website to go to and, oh, and yeah. contact oh, mission. Yeah. Everybody's got a website, of course, but uh, it's it's okenergyproducersplural.org. Okenergyproducers.org. Uh, and we have uh, membership levels. Uh, uh, the entry level is, is $250 uh, a year. Excuse me. And it goes towards, uh, uh, we, we have a lobbyist at the legislature, a guy named Greg Pipe, mm -hmm. used to be legislature and represents us in the House and in the Senate. Uh, we spend a significant amount of time uh, looking at proposed legislation. Uh, and if there's something there that uh, is of interest to us, we certainly support it. If it's something there that we see as detrimental uh, to the uh, to our members to the industry, then we'll speak up and uh, attempt as best we can to amend things to improve them, get them better. Or if we have to oppose them, then we will uh, gladly do so. But uh, what we try to do is find common ground with everybody, and uh, uh, we don't want it to develop into a, a partisan situation because that just never seems to go uh, to a good place. So we we always try to find common ground with everybody and do its best for uh, the state of Oklahoma. Um, when I was the uh, president of the OIPA many, oh, about 20, 25 years ago, mm -hmm. right. uh, we always had a motto of uh, uh, whatever we do, let's just make sure we do it for the betterment <laughs> of Oklahoma. 
Right. And uh, right. and uh, that's that's how we did it back then. So we uh, we're, we do the same thing with the uh, OEPA, and uh, if it's good for Oklahoma, it's it's good for us, and and we support it. Uh, it it's why we supported a, an increase uh, in the uh, gross production tax that we pay. Uh, there was a significant amount of legislation many many years ago that uh, uh, gave a, a a pretty nice. Uh, supposedly temporary incentive to uh, people that drilled uh, 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 horizontal wells to encourage horizontal well drilling about 20 years ago. And it was very successful. So uh, since the industry became so successful, we thought it would be uh, very prudent for Oklahoma uh, and, and the industry to support uh, a, a, an ending of that, uh, of that uh, two cent uh, uh, gross production tax and uh, increase it to what everybody else was paying, which is uh, 7%, and use the difference, uh, the ex extra money that would be realized to pay teachers' salaries. Uh, we've heard for years and years how the public teachers in Oklahoma have been underpaid and, and really underappreciated. So we thought it was about time for us to uh, uh, make a stand, uh, do something that we could afford and uh, support an increase in, in that gross production tax from the, uh, fr from the incentive rate to what everybody else is paying. So uh, it was a, a hard fight, a lot of uh, uh, disagreement with it, but uh, we did win the day on that. We're very, and we were proud to have, to have helped that because it helped Oklahoma. It helped Oklahoma teachers and their uh, current and future students. So uh, that's an example of what we, what we've, we like to do. Definitely. Uh, what legislation occurred in this past session, uh, and also what do you envision in the next session? We had some legislation that uh, directly affected uh, uh, not only our members, but uh, uh, royalty owners, mineral owners as well, that uh, we saw, unfortunately, when, when, when we went just recently went through uh, a couple of years of pretty tough economic times, and several companies uh, had uh, economic problems and uh, many unfortunately had to declare bankruptcy. Uh, well, the uh, those of us that had a working interest in a well uh, and uh, where we were not the operator, but when the operator went out of business, uh, we were in a uh, very uh, much of, of a minority position as far as our legal rights uh, were in trying to get the money that 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 uh, had been uh, uh, produced, uh, but the money was not distributed yet to the owners. And if I was an owner and I didn't get my money, I had to go to court, but there were too many other uh, groups of people ahead of me in line, uh, even though uh, a sale of our product had occurred and uh, money was just simply being held uh, for us to receive it. So we, we were able to get the uh, legislature to change that, that law, change that ruling to Give us a, a a a more fair opportunity to uh, uh, have have a chance to get get, get the money that 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 the uh, working interest owners and the royalty owners were owed. Yeah, many times they were seeing their uh, the 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 money that they were due uh, would go away, and uh, so they they didn't have a chance to at least get a portion of it back. So we, we were able to make a change in that regard. Uh, the upcoming uh, uh, session, uh, we really haven't heard too much of what people are thinking about. Uh, but uh, I know that 
uh, we're always wanting to see a, uh, a better funded uh, Oklahoma Corporation Commission. Uh, they, 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 they always need uh, uh, well-educated uh, engineers, petroleum engineers, so they can uh, understand and, and uh, pass good, good opinions on how some of the activities might occur uh, in, in the drilling of oil and gas wells in Oklahoma. And uh, when there's not enough engineers going around to, uh, that are employed by the uh, agency that regulates our industry, well, then decisions won't get made or uh, should be made that, 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 that won't have enough data behind them or enough information behind them to give a good, uh, a, a good evaluation. So uh, we, we do want to see the uh, Oklahoma Corporation Commission have a, uh, a, either a better funding source or an increased amount of, of consistent funding so they can hire some good people. Dewey, I'm concerned uh, about the future of the oil and gas industry uh, when it comes to uh, those that are trying to enter uh, the oil and gas industry or even consider it. Uh, it. It seems to be, you know, when the message is, is that we're going to go from uh, a fast move from the oil and gas industry into this energy transition, it discourages those that want to be a geophysicist or a geologist or a landman. How do we get the message out that we need uh, those that want to attend uh, the universities or the technical schools because we're going to need help in the oil and gas industry? And it seems to be that how do we get past the uh, the uh, naysayers of saying it's not going to we don't you know five years from now we won't need the oil and gas industry ten years from now we won't need the oil and gas industry. It seems to me that we need to prepare our workforce, that we definitely need uh, some some uh, folks looking at entering at this point in time. Absolutely. You know, part of the process, uh, that was one of the reasons that the OERB, Oklahoma Energy Resource Board, was created, was to educate uh, students uh, starting in uh, junior high school about where, where energy comes from and what it's used for and how it's created and what it uh, what it does make, and uh, we've had some very very good luck in uh, regarding that, where the students really become uh, voters at, at some point in the future, and and they when they start making decisions about their future uh, uh, workforce uh, decisions, they'll have they 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 do have a better understanding. Uh, but uh, a lot of the uh, uh, those that either forgot their <laughs> forgot their education or uh, <laughs> Haven't uh, haven't had that opportunity of of, uh, of being involved with those classes. The the uh, education is very very important. People uh, that are the naysayers, well, they really don't realize, and and they don't they they almost ignore the, the facts. If it wasn't for a natural gas industry, we wouldn't have fertilizer. Uh, to uh, uh, fertilize uh, all the crops that we need to exist. Uh, if we didn't have a, a crude oil uh, industry uh, domestically, uh, if it's if it goes away or if it's legislated away, uh, that doesn't mean that the automobiles and, that need uh, gasoline and all the trucks that need diesel fuel and the locomotives that need diesel fuel, they're not going away. So all that oil and and refined products will be bought from. Overseas, they'll be bought from companies uh, or countries that uh, don't like us, and uh, they'll have us in a very, very precarious position because they'll have control over the energy 
that our country needs and our economic system needs to survive. And they'll be able to hold us hostage. They'll say, well, you know, uh, you didn't treat uh, us very well. And uh, we, we think you're too friendly to Israel. So maybe you got to back off of your support of Israel and, uh, you know, to encourage it a little bit, we're just going to raise the price about two bucks a barrel. And if you don't uh, make it uh, quicker, we'll just raise it three bucks a barrel. And we will have no option. And uh, that's when we're going to be in a very, very, very bad position. When other countries can uh, can have direct influence over our our national security and our policy uh, decisions, we'll be in we'll be in a bad place. And China and Russia will be very very pleased, and they're going to be at the front of that line in order to see what they can get hold of uh, as far as our country's uh, uh, well-being goes. They'll be right there because they they definitely have us in their sights. China especially. No question. Well, that brings us to a, to a SWOT analysis. <laughs> You've already given the threat of the T of, uh, of uh, but strength, strength of our industry or strength as far as the outlook, where are the strengths? I think you mentioned a few, but are there any other strengths you want to add to our industry? Well, we have a terrific refining capability in this country. Our natural gas reserves are huge, even though we are now selling and marketing a lot of uh, liquefied natural gas, compressed natural gas uh, worldwide, we still have an ex excess of supply uh, in the United States. And so we're able to use that domestically uh, because of all the success that the horizontal drillers had and, and the continued success of, of vertical wellers have had over the last uh, oh, 15 years or so. Uh, we've we had an excess supply and we were able to produce all that we uh, all that we consumed. We hadn't been in that position in decades. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, because of the current administration and the uh, current makeup of, of uh, Congress, that uh, positive statement is starting to go away. Uh, that uh, uh, we, we, we heard from uh, President Biden and several members of Congress that they think fossil fuels ought to be, ought to be outlawed, essentially. Go away. We should plug all these wells that are uh, producing on federal lands and not, and not lease any more uh, uh, federal lands uh, for the purpose of, of discovering and, and producing and drilling oil and natural gas. That's a very, very short-sighted position that they are supporting. But uh, unless we uh, stand in the way of it and really uh, get very aggressive vocally and otherwise, and uh, make some changes in the next election, uh, we will find ourselves in a pretty pretty ticklish position. So you mentioned strengths, and I guess part of what you mentioned here is weaknesses. Um, but what about opportunities? Well, I think the opportunities with the very significant amount of geology that has been accumulated over the past decades and decades, the very vast reserves of of uh, electronic data as represented by the uh, 2D, but especially the 3D seismic industry. Uh, that is a tremendous tool that if, uh, if people do, do have access to it, it really will point towards places where drilling can occur. Uh, fortunately, the producing states of Texas and Oklahoma, Kansas, North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, welcome the oil and gas industry. Uh, other other mm -hmm. states right. don't. Uh, 
California is tough to deal uh, to, to work in. Colorado is much more difficult to, uh, to work in than, than it used to be. Uh, state of New York is impossible to work in. And uh, uh, mm -hmm. so, but, but those states are, uh, are tremendous consumers of what we produce. And uh, that's not going away. The uh, uh, decisions that New York uh, State has made, for example, in uh, saying that they're not going to allow any new hookups uh, of natural gas in, into new businesses, uh, new manufacturing industries, or even uh, new housing developments. Um, that's crazy, uh, but that's what they're doing. And uh, when when uh, businesses uh, can't get access to the energy they need to make things, uh, if uh, uh, housing additions can't get access to uh, natural gas to heat their homes, what are they going to do? Uh, if there's not enough uh, gas around, uh, the main source of, of gas, the, the, the primary source now is is natural gas uh, to to make electricity. So if that starts uh, becoming very difficult to get. All the electric cars uh, that people are talking about uh, creating and buying and using, if there's no electricity to charge the batteries, what are we going to do? So uh, this whole concept of energy, uh, people have to be uh, really thoughtful and uh, quit trying to play in politics with it because uh, uh, our, our our country's future, uh, economic future and and, and uh, national security are really at stake if we uh, if we don't pay attention to what the reality of of uh, energy is all about. We've gone from a net exporter quickly to a net importer, and it goes to the fact that uh, there's something before it's called environmental social governance, which I think we're you and I are both in energy efficiency is important, environmental preservation is definitely important, but what What's before us is the ESG factor. I know it's uh, there again. The future of getting us to uh, to this transition, whether it's a hydrogen economy or whatever it might be, is definitely uh, down the road and something that that many want to pursue. And I I believe I think as you do. I'm not speaking for you. I hope, <laughs> but we look at all forms of energy as important. All forms of energy mean natural resources used to the best of ability, but the oil and gas industry is still there in, in, in a big way. With that said, how do we uh, educate, uh, especially at this time? What's what's an answer? I, I guess everybody's searching for that both ways. Is what is an answer for the future when it comes to being environmentally conscious about the fact that these things can happen? Uh, like we've seen with the electric grid or the, the colonial pipelines, we've got to have a strong oil and gas industry. At the same time, we may want to transition. Where's the future of this ESG factor, and how does how do we make sure we are are looking at the future in, our, in the right way? Well, I think we we have to be very very vocal about our support of all of the above when when considering energy. Um, uh, about twenty years ago, I. Uh, wanted to know a little bit about uh, solar energy. So we put, we put so, uh, mm -hmm. 20 solar panels on the roof of our building. And I wanted to see what it's all about. And, and, and uh, if it didn't really make sense to create electricity and, and uh, consume some of that uh, self-generated electricity and it didn't make a difference. 
Uh, and uh, well, anyway, I learned a lot about it. I found out that uh, we are fortunate in Oklahoma that our our cost of electricity is extremely low. And uh, for the expense right. involved in uh, putting together a solar generated uh, electric facility and roof of our building, the payout was probably 25, 30 years. So it, uh, it, uh, it sounds good and it makes people kind of a, give them a warm, fuzzy feeling. Uh, but in, in, uh, in, in some cases, certainly in Oklahoma, uh, solar generated electricity uh, is not necessarily a great option uh, for the general public because it will cost more. Uh, and uh, when, when we're able to generate our own electricity with natural gas, uh, uh, wind, I think, is still a good option, but it also, it only, it only generates when the wind blows. Uh, similar to solar, mm -hmm. it's only a, about a 12-hour opportunity during the day, and then when it gets dark, it goes away. So what are we going to do in the meantime? Well, all the generate all the electricity that's necessary can never be be stored in batteries. Uh, I mean, the 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 size of the batteries would would probably cover a county uh, in order to to uh, just provide a couple hours worth of electricity for the general public. So, what are we going to do in the meantime? Well, we have to be able to generate uh, electricity, natural gas, uh, nuclear. I think should be uh, should be considered. Uh, it's a very clean uh, uh, fuel that uh, uh, certainly has had its opportunity, <laughs> has had its problems in the past. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. a huge amount of electricity in Europe is generated uh, uh, by the use of nuclear reactors, and they certainly have it figured out to where it's very commonplace and extremely safe. Well, we can do the same thing. Uh, uh, I, I, I one thing I saw that was interesting and. In New York State, uh, they get things so politically charged. Uh, there was a group of people that were screaming, yelling about uh, a nuclear uh, generating facility. Uh, I think it's called Indian Hills or something like that. But it generated uh, and created, supplied 25% of the electricity that uh, the entire area of Manhattan uh, uh, consumed, 25%. Well, there was a a big outcry for having a nuclear reactor uh, in in that in that area of, uh, of of New York State, and they shut it down, totally shut it down. And this is about about a month ago, a month or two ago, shut it down. So the question is, well, how are they replacing that? Well, they're replacing that with electricity generated by burning natural gas, but all these environmentalists don't like natural gas because it uh, emits a little bit of methane uh, of uh, CO2. Well, where's the where's the where's the reality in all that uh, uh, d uh, discussion? There was a nuclear generating uh, facility that di didn't generate uh, an ounce of CO2, so they replaced it with something they didn't like, which was generating CO2. So the uh, 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 hypocrisy of some of those positions sometimes is unfortunately not really well spelled out by the media, and hopefully someday they they will they will uh, point that out and wake people up a little bit. Dewey, it's it's interesting. In 2012, I was asked to speak uh, at UCLA, and it was about energy policy, energy plans, and and how that relates to communities. 
And it was really interesting because the person that asked me to speak said, do you know a uh, gentleman, is, is, his name is Mayor You're Dewey kidding. Bartlett You're from Tulsa. And he said he's put together a comprehensive yep. energy plan for his city. And <laughs> I said, definitely know uh, Dewey <laughs> and thank a lot of them. And I said, so I had to do some research so that I could answer questions at UCLA about Tulsa's energy plan, which you implemented. And it was fascinating because uh, you looked at it from a standpoint, as you mentioned, all the above. Let's look at what's going to be best for your city and best for the future of America. You were there then. And it was all forms, meaning, of course, oil and gas and solar wind. Let's talk about it. You were you were looking at that and it was very well received. And the students uh, who I was ready to be pounced on uh, by that is coming from Oklahoma, being the oil and gas industry. Once I m- mentioned that we have in Oklahoma a Tulsa energy plan implemented by uh, a Republican, <laughs> uh, Mayor Dewey Bartlett Jr., uh, that I'll went a long way to say, let's talk. I'll be darned. Yeah. So I, yeah. And tell me about the plan. I have not, got, has there been some things that have come from that or? Is it mainly just in place to, to refer to? It was to? in place to refer to, uh, but we uh, we uh, tried to get some interest in the community to uh, uh, put some uh, competition uh, in the electric uh, generating and consuming uh, industry, uh, where uh, the city of Tulsa itself, there's a monopoly uh, around the city that uh, uh, a public service company of Oklahoma uh, is the is a sole energy uh, electricity provider in that area. Uh, what mm-hmm. we wanted to see was uh, some competition to where uh, uh, some of our neighbors, uh, like the Grand River Dam Authority, that they would have an opportunity uh, in certain areas in certain uh, ways to uh, they bid against PSO to see who might. Uh, uh, be able to uh, uh, provide less expensive electricity. Uh, so competition's always good, we thought. And uh, uh, that didn't get too far, but it was kind of fun talking about it. At, at least we got people thinking about it. So maybe someday something like that would uh, would uh, uh, be available. I always thought it was been a good, it would have been a great idea for something like the Tulsa Airport to form its own uh, utility where they could mm-hmm. provide electricity to the entirety of the airport, to uh, not, not only the uh, airport uh, facility itself, but American Airlines and all the other big uh, companies that were out there uh, and do it in a cheaper fashion than PSO was providing. Uh, and they could do that by possibly hooking up uh, to uh, electricity from the Grand River Dam Authority, uh, some of which was uh, is uh, generated uh, uh, hydro uh, by a dam, which is uh, very uh, very supportive by the environmental side of things. And uh, I always thought that'd be a, that'd be a, a good thing to do, at least to consider. But because of the uh, uh, market that uh, the legislature had uh, given to PSO. Uh, that that was not to pass, but anyway, it's something good to think about at at, at some point in time, hopefully. Uh, but things like that is uh, what our what our plan was all about. Uh, we wanted to uh, certainly make the uh, city 
uh, city services uh, available if uh, if the uh, led, if the uh, uh, city council would enact uh, supportive legislation uh, to make certain that our zoning laws uh, were not restrictive when there was a discussion about uh, solar generation of electricity or uh, wind or uh, water being heated by solar purposes, things like that. We wanted to make sure that our zoning laws weren't getting in the way and that our uh, uh, construction and uh, uh, residential uh, uh, commercial uh, construction rules and regulations uh, uh, weren't standing in the way. So that was part of the package as well. Uh, was really uh, tr encouraging the all, all the above approach and uh, not, not allowing some of the normal uh, city regulatory uh, uh, groups uh, to, to not uh, be, be a difficult problem to try and enact uh, some alternative ways of generating uh, electricity or generating uh, energy. Thank you, Dewey. Thank you, Mark. Enjoyed it very much. Dewey F. Bartlett, Jr., energy leader, chairman of OEPA, president of Keter Oil. You've been listening to National Energy Talk. Upcoming episodes will keep you informed.